the legend of Brad Stevens point guard whisperer is born. When Jordan Crawford wins player of the week, we're going to talk about it right now on a Thursday locked on Celtics. Millers, let's go. Jays back with the vengeance at all the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, this the best way. Melly. Hey, John Corrales here from MassLive.com, welcoming you back to another Locked On Celtics podcast. Still going on the grind Monday through Friday, and still going with the historical deep dives. Today, we get to Jordan Crawford winning Player of the Week, and oh man, is that not a glorious week? The best week of Jordan Crawford's career. In a few minutes, you'll hear the stats from that week. It was an amazing week. He totally deserved it, and it was uh, the beginning of Brad Stevens' becoming the point guard whisperer. For some reason, point guards have done well under Brad Stevens, and this is like the big bang of that. Uh, before we get to that, the Boston Celtics have now traveled to Orlando. Uh, as I record this, they're just about ready to land in Orlando. So by the time you listen to this, the Celtics should be there and heading into their bubble. And it was interesting last night or the night before, by the time you listen to this, to watch people tweet out pictures of their food. And it looks like, seriously, like summer camp, like trays of stuff that professional basketball players aren't used to having. But I, I think what they're doing, is, the, the first few days are quarantine. You have to go in and get a test. And then 24 hours later, you got to get another test. So it's at least 48 hours with two negative tests back to back before you can leave your hotel room. You got to stay in your hotel room, can't leave. So that limits what can come in and out. So you can't have the big spreads. I don't know what they're going to have. Pretty sure what they're going to have is better than what they have right now. So everybody making their jokes, by all means, Twitter, get your jokes off. It's That's what Twitter does. But... I think there's going to be like an uptick in the quality of food in just a matter of a few days. So that's just something to watch for. It struck me as the Celtics were leaving, some of the things were being shared on social media. The First of all, Robin Hayward tweeting, or, or I'm sorry, Instagramming the departure and her daughters kind of like talking to a doll, pretending it was Gordon Hayward already. Uh, boy, that stuff was really crushing. Watching Jason Tatum hug Deuce, that Instagram photo, just, oh my God, just melted me because I, I'm, I'm in the Kemba Walker vein where single, no kids. If I had to go somewhere for three months, I would just go. And I'm not saying goodbye to kids. I'm not leaving much behind. You know, that, that's just for me. Yeah, sure, no problem. So when Kemba said, "Yeah, I, I don't mind it. I'm I'm ready to go in the bubble. No, no big deal." I felt that. I felt that. But watching Tatum and Hayward, and knowing that there are countless others 
who are missing their families, saying goodbye to their families, and not just kids, you know, saying goodbye to parents, saying goodbye to grandparents, saying goodbye to, you know, Jalen Brown, the picture of his grandfather up there. His grandfather helped kind of keep him in shape, get him into better shape during this pandemic. I really was struck by how tough it really is for them to say goodbye for potentially at least a month and a half, some for three months. It's, it's difficult. And I really couldn't wrap my head around it because I don't have kids. So watching them say goodbye to their families, uh, it was like a little jarring. You, you really start to get that feeling of, yeah, this is something that I, I can see is, is tough for them. They made their decision. They're going to play and it's not, it's not something that like in the end, it's going to be okay. It's only a few months and it'll, before you know, it'll be over. But in this moment, this is something that's, that's difficult. So, and it, it does speak to when Brad Stevens said the team that can find their joy, the team that can find their grit, the team that comes together, stays together, and finds a way to make the best of this over the course of whether it's a month and a half or three months, that's the team that's going to be fi- finding themselves in a, a position to succeed. And you see it. This is what he's talking about. These goodbyes to their kids. It's very easy now, especially after spending three months at home with them. Like that's, that's something you go from an unprecedented time together because you never get three months at home like this. Even during the off season, Gordon Hayward's able to go train and do things and live like a normal life. This was just stuck at home for three months. Now to go from that to gone and not even around for three months, that makes it all a bit worse. The team that can get past that and not have that constantly on their minds, not have that be something that brings them down. A team that can get past these types of things and find themselves together and find some, as Brad Stevens said, joy in being together, making the most of a bad situation, then that's the team that's going to have a real shot. But that did strike me and it really did hit home for uh, how tough this was. When we come back, the beginnings of the Jordan Crawford, the brief, white-hot Jordan Crawford experience when we return on the Locked On Celtics podcast. And before we do that, I am not usually a cereal guy. I gave up eating cereal a while ago because I'm not going to be eating sugary stuff. I'm not going to be eating... All, all the stuff that I used to eat because I'm, I'm trying to be healthy. Look, I'm getting older, so I don't know how old you are, but I'm about to turn 47. I'm not, I'm not supposed to be eating sugary cereal. And the type of cereal that's marketed to me, I'm sorry, I don't want to eat your tree bark, buddy. So that's, I just cut cereal out. But when they sent me Magic Spoon cereal, I start to work that back in because Magic Spoon is this ridiculously delicious sweet 
sugar-free cereal. Like, no sugar, zero sugar. 12 grams of protein. That's good. And only three net grams of carbs in each each serving. They gave me cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. Those are your four options. They're all good. I'm going with the frosted. Frosted tastes really, really good. Um, again, I just... I don't know. You got to try it. In fact, you can go ahead and try it for basically no risk. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free. There's no reason not to try it. Go to magicspoonnb.com slash NBA. Magicspoon.com slash NBA. Get that variety pack. Try it today. Use the promo code NBA at checkout to get free shipping. So your shipping's free. They're so confident in their product, it's back with 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it, the cereal's free. You'll get a refund. No questions asked. I'm betting you don't need that refund. Magicspoon.com slash NBA. Use the code NBA for free shipping. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now we just talked about the, the the legend of Brad Stevens out of timeouts. Getting Jordan Crawford to win player of the week, which he did <laughs> in December of uh December of 2013. The Celtics had wins over Milwaukee, Denver, and New York, and he averaged 23.3 while shooting 60, 61%. And he also that week had averaged almost seven assists, three rebounds, and shot better than 50% from three that week. I mean, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he earned the uh, award. He definitely earned he it. He deserved that. He deserved Absolutely. it. He was a, a trick or treat player. He could shoot you in or shoot you out. And when he got hot, which he was that week, wow. You know, it just seemed like every shot was going to go in. And uh, Brad did get some deserved credit for being able to get that out of Jordan Crawford, who was what you would call a journeyman, right? Uh, I would say so. <laughs> three he played seasons from five in, different teams. Yeah, three seasons in Washington, two in Boston, one in Golden State, a couple in New Orleans, one in Atlanta. So, yeah, he bounced around uh, all over the place. Uh, obviously, the player of the week was <laughs> the highlight of his his time. Um, although, I mean, he did have he did have his moments. He did have his moments in Washington, I think, um, which is which is what earned the the you know, his interest from from Danny Ainge. But uh, Jordan Crawford, I always used to call him shaky. He he looked like a guy that was always like. Like a, a a couple of carafes of coffee into his day. <laughs> like he always he he looked like both stoned and jittery at the same time. It was amazing. But he played he played as if his limbs had independent brains from the rest of his body. He <laughs> <laughs> just they <laughs> Things just didn't seem to move in concert with one another, but yet he still found a way to be effective from time to time. He had that rainbow shot 
with a high arcing shot, and it would just come down to swish through. So I enjoyed watching him, no well, doubt about that. When it did, when it did come down and swish through, yeah, I mean, when it came down, <laughs> he he did shoot just forty one percent and thirty two percent from three. He wasn't exactly uh, what we would call efficient with the Boston Celtics. <laughs> Uh, in fact, in fact, the, the, the player of the week honor is, is credited and, and Brad Stevens is credited for getting some value for Jordan Crawford because Jordan Crawford was traded by Danny Ainge 39 games into his Celtics career, half a season into his career. Jordan Crawford, uh, was sent out. Uh, let's see. It was January 15th. Marshawn Brooks, Jordan Crawford out to Golden State. Uh, the Celtics ended up getting Joel Anthony and a second round pick, which ultimately became Jordan Mickey, which is another great name from Boston Celtics history, but that's, <laughs> that's for another time. That's another G League, G League maniac Jordan Mickey, right? Wasn't he awesome? Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Awesome in the G League. Yeah. Too bad it was the G League, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Celtics was- got something. For Jordan Crawford. It, it was all part of shuffling the bodies. Uh, you already said it, I think, 19 players coming in or being on the roster at, at different points during the season. You don't want that, but this is how it was. There, Danny was trying to move parts around, get pieces, hoard the um, famous assets that he had, and, uh, you know, you got to do uh, trades to get that done and these like marginal trades there were a lot of them yeah there were a lot um there were a, there were a lot of little like like little moves danny ainge this is when the danny ainge uh basketball reference page a transaction mm. page really really starts flying because he's got he's got all sorts of he's got all sorts of things going on here uh all right so uh the Celtics also traded away. They had Courtney Lee on this team for a while. Uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I gotta sort everybody by how many games they played. Uh, we haven't even really talked about Jeff Green. Let's talk about Jeff Green. Jeff Green. Jeff Green this season, because we, the only thing we've mentioned from Jeff Green is that he hit that game winner, but he played all 82 games, and this was after the, um, after the heart ailment. So. He came back and he played, played that whole season. He averaged 17 points a game, but he still, he only shot like 41% overall, 34% from three, which wasn't bad. Um, right about league average, I guess. Uh, but that was it. And, and my, my biggest complaint with Jeff Green was always like, why are you only getting to the line four times a game? Why aren't you getting to the line like seven, eight times a game? He, that, that was for a guy who drove and dunked as much as he did. He didn't get to the line much. Yeah, well, you know, we've talked about this, that he was inconsistent, and that was his biggest flaw. He definitely had the talent. He could score 40 if he got hot uh, and if he kept going to the basket, but he didn't do it every night. That was the disappointment with him. He was a fifth pick in the draft, and you expected that he would – even if he's not an all-star, at least be a consistent contributor and – that was his downfall. He was not consistent. Yeah, that really ultimately, because so much promise, so much promise, uh, and he he would have he would have some some decent games 
throughout the course of this season. Um, his season high, he did like a couple, a couple of games where he scored 39, uh, and he scored 30 points four, four times that season, scored 25 or more 13 times that season. Uh, he, he certainly was capable, but then he had what, uh, let's see, 13 games where he scored less than 10 points, only single digits. And in most of those games, he shot more than 10 shots per game. He just was cold. And so the, the, the Jeff Green madness would consume us in Boston. I just knew this about Jeff Green. Every time he got an outlet pass on the right side of the floor and was dribbling somewhere along that right sideline. He was dunking on somebody. <laughs> it, it was, he had no left hand. You could not if, just force him left and he was just give it up. He had no left hand at all. But if he was driving right, you were screwed. And if nothing else, he gave us plenty of highlights, highlight dunks, Always on that right side. If he got the ball right around half court on that right side, I was like, oh, baby, here we go. Full head of steam. He was going to dunk on somebody. You know, you mentioned his shooting percentage being fairly low, 41%. And, you know, as a team, the entire team, 43.5% for the year. I wonder if Rondo's absence had something to do with that. You know, he missed the first half of the season almost uh, yeah. while he was still recovering from the ACL the year before. You mentioned that. Then when he came back, he would sit out on the second night of a back-to-back. So, you know, without him out there, I don't think probably players were getting the shots they wanted as much as they might have if he was playing. I wonder if that contributed to the... Uh, I don't have any statistical analysis of that, but I just wonder if that contributed to the lower shooting percentage than they might have had otherwise. Well, I mean, I I can do a quick search right now because he came back in January. So the team shooting percentage, let's see. Um, Where is the team shooting percentage? Of course, I can't find it on these splits. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, uh, while you're um, looking, and we're talking about Rondo, this was the year that he had his birthday party. That, oh, right, right, right. The trampoline right. park, but he fell. He fell in the shower, right? No, wait, that was later. Was that that was that the next season? That was the next season. Yeah, that's the I, season he got traded. I take it back. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay because that's something we're gonna have to talk about. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. I'll say this. I don't have the percentages in front of me, but they, they averaged, they shot in January, they shot 35 for 86 in, in January per game. In February, they got to 38 for 87. So that percentage has gone goes up a little bit and then in march it was 30 just about 36 for 84 and a half so that percentage goes up a little bit the the numbers the percentage does go up in january february march 
but I don't think it goes up so much. So Rondo probably gives them a little bit of a bump, but also they're not very good basketball players. So <laughs> I was I, trying to give Jeff Green some sympathy there. Yeah, I, I just don't think that getting the ball in a like what's Jeff Green's sweet spot to get him shots? On the right. Yeah, right. Well, on the right when he's driving, right? Um, Avery Bradley was more of a catch and shoot three point shooter who sh- he shot 30, almost 40% from three that season, but he, he, he really wasn't a, a tremendous scorer necessarily, even though he averaged 15 points a game. But this is the beginning, I think, of Avery Bradley as a guy who can start to, you can, you can start to look to to at least score some points for you. The Celtics didn't get much from him in the prior three years. This is the first season of Avery Bradley like, okay, he's coming into his own. His jump shot's starting to fall. He's becoming a really good defender. But even even then, Rondo or not, you're, it doesn't matter where he catches the ball. Just go down the line. I'm just looking down the list in order of scoring average per that season. Jordan Crawford, Jared Sullinger, Brandon Bass, Jared Bayless, Chris Humphreys, Kelly Olynyk, Like those... It doesn't matter where those guys get the ball. They're, they, maybe that gives a couple of them an extra make per game, and that'll account for a, a little jump in their the percentages, like I said. But otherwise, you're not you're not really making any material changes. This team sucked. Okay, they sucked. Regardless, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I acknowledge that. <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> um, but oh, while you were talking, though, I found my note that uh, about Rondo. Rondo, this was the season where Rondo did not travel with the team. They played at at the Lakers, they lost, and then they left to go to Sacramento, and he stayed behind so he could celebrate his birthday because it was a back-to-back, and he knew he was going to sit out that game in Sacramento. Uh-huh. So he stayed behind in L.A., had a birthday party, and – there was a a lot of crap came down the pike for that. And, you know, Rondo was become, he had already become a polarizing player, you know, among the fans of media, you were either team Rondo or you weren't. And this didn't help. Not at all. Right. Now, now you mentioned that that's right. Um, and, and there was some controversy about, um, did he have, did he have clearance? From Brad Stevens or or not? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't I don't remember if Brad Brad would have said, "Oh yeah, everything was fine," and you know, if there's any problem, we'll take care of it. He never would have thrown him under the bus. But I kind of think that Rondo just did what Rondo wanted to do. Yeah. So here's the quote from from Brad. Uh, well, first of all. The quote from Rondo, and when he was asked about it, said, "It's my business, not yours." So, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Brad Stevens was asked about it, and he said, "All of that we're handling internally. We've sat down and talked. We did that Monday. In my mind, I'm moving forward. When Danny gets back in town, they can meet, and we'll go from there." So clearly, there was some, uh, we'll call it a miscommunication. And I think, I think at the time, like my my recollection of of at that time was if rondo talked to somebody on the celtics if rondo said hey is this cool and they said okay it's cool then fine 
Um, I don't now in retrospect, cool or not, like I think it was a sign of Rondo's kind of attitude towards everything. And remember now, remember Rajon Rondo was named captain of the team when he came back. And this is, I think, an important point to make in all of this, that this all happened with the captain of the team. And Brad Stevens has not named the captain since and has said since then he does not believe in captains. He believes everybody has a voice, even though at the time when he gave Rondo the that title, he said that. This is something that Rondo earned. He played his way into it. This is something that, uh, he, you know, he basically named himself captain with his play. That, that was what, what Brad Stevens said, which really makes it interesting using that and thinking about that and how that all worked out. I wonder if Brad Stevens now, because everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are saying Marcus Smart should be captain. And I understand that. And I understand Brad's reasoning, but I wonder if all of this, the birthday party, Rondo's kind of like decline and, and everything that went wrong. I wonder if Brad Stevens says, look, I don't want any of this to happen again. And especially when you look at Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart's not Rondo. And I'm certainly not going to say that he's, he's got the Rondo temperament, but he is an emotional guy and prone to emotional outbursts. So I wonder if, if this experience with Rondo has colored how Brad looks at captains in the NBA moving forward. Well, I suppose that's possible, but I hope not. Uh, you know, you, I don't, yeah, it's a hard one, but, uh, I have a feeling since Rondo, it wasn't clear. Did he get permission or not? Maybe he's indicated he wanted to skip the game and he was told, and I'm speculating, Maybe he was told, you know, it would not be a good idea for the captain of the team to skip a game, even though you're not playing. Do the right thing. And he just did what he wanted to anyway. So uh, who knows, really? But the whole thing, it was it was a, a major part of the the story that developed that Rondo was uh, an attitude problem and was disruptive to the team. And that, I think, contributed to him going out of town eventually. I think that's true. I think that's true. Um, I mean, I didn't realize how many um, birthday party things and uh, Rondo was involved in. I mean, there were a couple of different birthday stories. The trampoline park, which is next. But, <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, this. Yeah, and, and look, Rondo, part part of – Back to the basketball stuff. The part, part of why this team wasn't so good was because Rondo not only missed half the season and guys weren't getting shots in places where they could make baskets, but also Rondo came back and was coming back off of an ACL injury. And he had the, you know, one of the, the, the tougher seasons of his career and his, his, his all-star form. He was a four-time all-star prior to this season and him coming back off of that injury, it, it, I think it did really, really hurt the team because if you look at his his numbers prior to that injury, 
his field goal percentage, overall field goal percentage, even though he was shooting terribly from three, his overall field goal percentage was still a couple years. It was up over 50%. It was, it was kind of close after that. The year before it was 48 and a half percent. And if you look at his two point field goal percentage, it's always pretty high. This season, his two, his two point field goal percentage dropped from 51.3% the year before to 44.2. And Rondo was effective driving and finishing for his entire career prior to the ACL injury and defending prior to the ACL injury. And, and part of his passing ability was being able to drive, draw people in and make those plays. What are the, the Two of the, the greatest passes that he's ever, that I've, he's ever made, that I've ever seen, are both passes to Ray Allen. One, uh, in Golden State, where he goes in and, and spins and, and fires it on the money behind the back to Ray in the left corner. And then there was another one, I forget who they're playing against, but it was at home. And he almost lands as he's driving in the lane. He draws a bunch of people in and he flips a behind the back pass. Behind, behind his head to Ray Allen in, on the right sideline. Both of those plays were because he got into the teeth of the defense, drew people in and kicked it out. And he was very, very effective at, at that. Part of Rondo's downfall after the ACL injury is his inability to get in and finish around the rim and therefore his inability to really draw defenders and, and then not really finding people off of that. We will wrap up our discussion of this season tomorrow because there's not much else to talk about with this season. There are other seasons where we spent the entire five days talking about it because there was so much. This season, not so much. Not so much. You know, Jeff Green, buzzer beater. Jordan Crawford wins player of the week. Rondo comes back from his, from his injury. And that's about it. That's about it. <laughs> uh, there are a couple of things. There are a couple of things that uh, we will kind of focus on. Positive things. Avery Bradley, I thought, was a positive that season. And so we'll talk about that tomorrow, me and Mike Dynan. Thanks to Mike for hopping on, by the way. If you haven't, if you're just joining us in, in this process, we started from 1950. Like, we started back at the beginnings, the first days of the Celtics, the formation of the Celtics, the, the first days of the NBA. We have spent this entire uh, hiatus – talking about Celtics history. So if you want the entire Celtics history, go back to that first podcast and just load them up because we we went through every season. So we're wrapping up 13-14. Tomorrow we'll get to the 14-15 season. Pretty soon we're going to get to the Isaiah Thomas season. That's going to be fun. So subscribe if you have not. Uh, it's really easy to do that. You can also follow on Spotify. If you're a Spotify user, go ahead and follow there. You can also rate five stars if you are a subscriber. You can go and give that five-star rating. Very helpful. A good written review would be amazing. I would love you forever. I'd give you a big hug if it wasn't socially awkward or unacceptable. But I would. I'd want to. I'll give you a virtual hug if you do that. And thanks for listening. This has been the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.